Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at deconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. As always, episode 155 with Jackie Lipinski. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. How's everybody doing? Doing fantastic. I just got no done with my last work trip until the summit. Oh, man. Because uh, I have two other trips, uh, personal trips to, to take in July and early August. But it was a blast being on the road again, seeing people. I hate the phrase, by the way, belly to belly. Have you ever heard? Like, there's a certain uh, type of person who says that phrase, like, can't wait to get back just, together, belly. To, I don't want to see uh, anyone's belly. I don't, I don't, I don't like feet. My, I don't like bellies. I don't no. care if you got a six pack. I don't want to see a belly. Touching bellies. It's right. creepy. Not, I'm, I've never heard that phrase I'm and I'm good. uncomfortable yet. Oh my God. Now yeah, you, you will notice it now. There's, there's certain, like, they tend to be the people who love hype or hustle, mm. hustle culture. Oh. Anyway. It's like a whole. We're in marketing. We're we're so <laughs> anti like, sh- yeah, it's no, snazzy. no buzzwords. Nope. No buzzwords. Are, that, are you in marketing then? I think you're in like results focused marketing. But if, I think if you're in marketing, you love those buzzwords. And those it's those. a little bit of yeah. There's there's different ends of the coin. Yeah, I will say the only content on TikTok. <laughs> are we talking about TikTok and reels? Is if it's like original content that's from a single person. There's like this whole like criteria list. And so then it's like only 2%. But there's one that I follow and she does, she makes fun of corporate culture. And it's just her like on Zoom, all the stuff. And yeah, it's great. All these like, all right, let's just table this discussion and all these buzzwords. Oh, the phrase buzzword. Yeah. All the phrases, every, yeah every Zoom there. call. Over belly ever. to belly. We'll, like, we'll circle back around to that later, Andrew. Yeah. We got to get on the story <laughs> <we> time. <laughs> See, tricking me. All right, Jackie, take us away. Going off of Kevin's adventure, um, so he was in Seattle, and I would like to thank Kevin for visiting my house and making me clean my house so fast. It's never been been cleaner. I finished a training a little early, and so I text Jackie like, hey, I could be at your house in an hour. What do you think? And no response for like 10 minutes. (laughs) I'm like, well, maybe (laughs) she's on a call with a builder partner, so I slack her, and I'm like, hey, no pressure, I could be your house in 40 minutes now. Like I'm on the way. <laughs> I'm on the way. <laughs> I, I was Break like, sure. And then one second later, he's like, and here's my Uber ride coming at your house. I was like, oh no. my God, no. Because I was just telling Andrew, I just come from a weekend of camping. So long story short, Aunt, uh, Kevin never saw my closets. They were stuffed to the brim of things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was a good trip. It was nice. It's always nice seeing people in person, especially when you work remotely. And you know, it's like the anti um, pandemic, like like oh hey, we can see each other. So it's it was Mm -hmm. a nice trip. Yeah, there's a couple lessons there. First, I could show up anywhere at any time, so be ready, audience included. If I know Mm -hmm. you're there from now on, I'm just going to start saying, hey, I got an extra thirty minutes. I could be. I'll be there in twenty minutes. (laughs) Here's here's my Uber ride coming at you. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is that it's always been memorable for me when people that I know enter in my actual life were, were like, I'll never forget. I was in Pittsburgh and at the time we were using Myers Barner sales training and he spent like an hour with me at my house. And I was like, this is bizarre. Like he was walking through my basement that I had just finished and giving feedback. And I was like, Myers Barnes is in my house right now. This is weird. That's I, I definitely, yeah, if anyone's asking, I was like, Kevin, this is how much house you get in Seattle, isn't it sad? Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then, because I don't think I've ever told this story publicly, and I still won't tell all of it, but then there's also the time where Jeff Shore and 
members of his organization were in the penthouse suite that my boss and I had at the Aria Hotel in Vegas and Bust a Move was playing. I'll let you, um, you know, I'm not saying Jeff was or wasn't dancing to Bust a Move, but it was also another like, I will never forget this moment and what is it might have been right four now. in the morning or 6 a.m. We'll Who knows? Know. I don't even know. I wasn't there, but I think Penthouse Suite could be on the 2024 uh, Builder Show Deconvert. Perfect. So, list, and, then, and then Andrew might. came and we talked about analytics at McDonald's in my basement and he had yeah, coffee in my sunroom. Yeah, and Mike uh, came here for a business meeting when we were um, investing in, in someone together and and then his flight got canceled. So he came back like 15 minutes later and was like, hey, I'm spending the night. So, <laughs> you're like, oh, sleepover in hotel Kevin. down the street. Yeah. Are you sure? Oh, my gosh. Mike's that's funny. And that's really yeah. the other purpose for the for the new house besides the separate office spaces. If you're in Columbus, I, I already tell everyone if you're going to be in Columbus or you like football. If you want to go to an Ohio State game, just text me. I will buy tickets. It's the business expense for me. And I get an excuse to tell the family that I have to go to a sporting event with someone in the industry. So that's always a standing invitation. Now you can also just stay at my house. We'll have an extra room for you. There you go. Perfect. Free Airbnb. Everyone listening, go for it. Go for They're it. like, heck no. <laughs> He's going to ask me what my cost per lead is. And I'm going to be like, I don't know. He'll say, tell me more about that. Oh, that's funny. And then I, I guess I'll just go into my real story. So yesterday, I've gone into them before, but yesterday I went into the, I guess the world's largest automated Amazon Go grocery store shopping experience. And this one had just opened up a week ago, still balloons in front of the door. So I go in, you scan your phone in. There are a lot of workers just restocking things at all times. So you could technically ask people, but there's also Alexas at every aisle. And so if you're like, I had to look for pine nuts to make pesto. So I was like, you know, I can't say her name because I have one in my room, but Shmamexa, where are the pine nuts? And then she, you know, was like, oh, aisle three, you know, and it was, it was a very, thank you. Yeah. It was a very good shopping experience, but I also felt like the store felt sterile and it yeah, was there's trade-offs to be made in everything. We always say that. And and one of the mm-hmm. trade-offs is they can't, they can't make the layout exactly like a normal store because the cameras have to have full visibility of you at all times. And the amount of cameras over your head at every moment, I was very uncomfortable. I, you obviously have no privacy at this store and it's just like no. every two feet, there's like a tiny camera staring into your eyes. <laughs> so Um, but overall it was, it was a very interesting experience, even though it was a larger store, I did feel like they had the bare minimum because they've calculated what is the most profitable, what do things people shop for the most. We're not going to get creative and have 10 types of cereal. Like here's the five we know people buy. So yeah, overall great. Is it ready? What kind of cereal does Jackie buy? Uh, honey bunches of oats is my go-to cereal. Yeah. If you're going to go on the healthier end of the sweet spectrum, honey bunches of oats or basic four can't go wrong with either one of those two. Yeah. That's my, um, that's my, that or life cereal cinnamon. So did you feel like the trade-off was worth it in terms of speed and convenience for lack of selection and the man or the woman looking at you at all times? You know, the prices it's Amazon. The prices were good. It was so unfortunate. I was like, Oh, I don't want to give you my money, but you're so convenient. So I would say (laughs) as quick convenience stores, I think they'll really succeed. But as the only grocery store option, it will Mm -hmm. be interesting to see if it, it grows further from that. I think it's in Dallas Love Field, which is where all the Southwest flights go 
I think there's a Hudson's bookseller, like one of those like stores that has all the stuff in, yeah. it in your traveling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a go, it, it was powered by Amazon go. So it was their branding. It was just a single loop around like, and you could, there was glass on, on all sides. So people outside could just watch you and you had to go in, a, in one direction around the store. You could pick up anything and then walk out. But I didn't get the same feeling you did because it was like Hudson markup airplane pricing, not mm. Amazon pricing. Yeah. So that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought about that initially, but that makes sense. I'll have to go back and take pictures of the pricing so that people can get No, idea. I don't care. <laughs> Here's the thing. And it's not because like, I don't care how much I'm spending, but my rule of thumb is if I have to buy it anyway, I don't want to know what the price is because it's irrelevant. So mm. yeah, Melanie asked me how much was milk. I'm like, I, was there a number that would make me say I shouldn't have bought the milk? Yeah, if well, not, ev- I don't want to know how much the everything milk costs. in the store, it. almost nothing was by pound. Everything was per unit. And so it depends on how much you need for everything because it's hard oh, for them to, to scale mm-hmm. everything. So I'm sure that Amazon is like, all right, these are hey, I'm lemons between this and this size. And we're Send me the store to buy whatever you want. But my wife, of course, because we want to eat healthy and it's, I'm, and I'm glad for that, but it takes three times longer to get through the produce section of the list than anything else. Cause you got to get the stupid bags. And mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. learn during the pandemic that you want wet fingers to open those bags easier. Did you guys know that? Yeah. I feel okay. Like None of my friends tell challenge. me anything. Just like I'm no one was telling me about these like, sky clubs. We're always running around. Yep. That's so counterintuitive that you want your fingertips to be wet to open it up. Well, easier. and then it's funny because like, usually people go like, they might like, I don't know, I don't want to say lick your finger, but like, all right, how do you, no, that, no, how don't do you lick do your that? Fingers. You touch yeah, the misted anymore. fruit or, exactly. or whatever next. Yeah. Yeah. So you just end up doing that and it's, <laughs> it's fine, but. Hey, we welcome to, to like the podcast about marketing <laughs> and online sales. All right. Sorry. We could. <laughs> we'll, we'll go off oh, on a tangent, man. but I think Andrew also has a similar story. Yeah. Mm. This was not planned at all. I saw yours. I'm like, what in the world? But I'll be like, I feel like. Jackie, you're living in like 2030 in Seattle with your golden gates and, and <laughs> whatever the phrases would be, fancy land. Down here in Florida, um, Walmart. So I went to Walmart, which uh, thinking about this, like there's the new Walmart down here, which is in a nice area. Then there's the not so new Walmart. So this is at the new Walmart. It's nicer, but there's no checkout registers anymore, except for if you were to buy cigarettes, if you smoke, that is powered by humans. And then there's like another one next to it. There's literally two checkouts that are powered by people. Like there's people there. Other than that, there's like, I don't know what you call them, self-checkout corrals. Mm-hmm. Like there's 20, I think it's 24 per section on either like the front of the stores, like say the north side yeah. and the south end. And they're, it's like this giant L desk looking thing. So you pull your cart up and then you have like usually self-checkouts, there's like maybe two or three bag stations you could like, you know, this yeah. spot here, it's like a two feet, three feet, whatever. This is more so like, like the Home Depot version. It was huge. It was like eight feet of bags to put your stuff in. Like it's <laughs> bigger than your cart. So well, you that's good. Because honestly, I would do that all the time. The most frustrating thing is when you have an entire thing full of groceries and the only thing open mm-hmm. is self-checkout and you're like, okay, this you're is. Like, do I really have to do this? And someone's behind you with like a box of Oreos. Like, come on, let me get my Oreos yeah. and get out of here. But and then actually, you do the whole really thing nice. and you forget your wallet at home. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> like, like sorry. What? And you're waiting on someone like, hey, I need to cancel this. I, I messed up. Try but to use Kroger was... Pay on your phone, but Kroger Pay has like the security thing that you can't set up while you're there. So oh, man. that doesn't help. And you have to go drive. Yeah, it's terrible. Okay. But this was good. I'm like, I was quite impressed with it. The only down, and there was two people. So like the ratio, I guess, used to be 
one person per register or two people, kind of depending on what store as far as someone who I was bagging. But now there's two people in the whole 24 registered section of self-checkout. I'm like, man, they got rid of or wherever they move these people. I don't know. I'm not going into that subject, but just the user experience was nice. I didn't say a single word walking into the store. I got my stuff. I self-checked out. Like there was no friction at all. There was no sitting there waiting on someone. At least for me, I don't enjoy when they're bagging everything up. I don't have to like, if I make small talk, I don't really want to feel like talking to this person, whatever. That sounds mean, but it was good. It was, I was, I was quite impressed with it. So I'm sure we'll see those quite a yeah, bit I like, more. I like the phrase you use frictionless experience Friction. to shopping. Because sometimes the same thing with Amazon, you just want to pop in, pop yeah. out. You just need five things. <clears throat> someone or... was buying alcohol next to me mm. and yeah. They did let you, it was, I was stalking them because I'm like, oh, they got alcohol. How's this going to work? Like, do they really get stuck? But they actually let them continue scanning things and then their light turned yellow and then someone walked over. So they didn't like have this kink in the chain or the bottleneck. They could continue, but they could not check out until the person came and checked their ID. Yeah, that's much simpler. Smart Walmart. Good for you. Otherwise you get stuck and now you create a line and that's the whole point of not of, of not having people, you don't have lines. There's no line, which normally that Walmart is extremely busy. So yeah, there might be some lessons to be learned or taken away from that. It seemed like they did think of most circumstances as far as what will happen after this and that. End of story. Awesome. Yeah. A uh, quick update on the house. It is being painted. So oh. the siding is oh. all up. It's being painted. The metal roofs are not installed yet. The shingle roofs are... Uh, still no front door, still no garage doors delivered. Um, they're having a hard time getting those in. So wherever those openings are, the siding is not complete. So there's going to be a lot, you know, Melanie not being in construction. She's like, this just seems like terribly inefficient. So they're going to install the door and then the siding guy is going to have to come back. Then the painter is going to have to come back. Then the trim car, you know, all like, wow, this is going to be a lot of extra work, but they are continuing the process moving along. The, the one thing that's really slowing things down apparently is uh, a power vent for the fireplace. So in order to do all the mechanical mm-hmm. inspections to complete those before they can put in the installation and go do the drywall or even finish other inspections, they have to get the entire fireplace assembly like roughed in. And so texted my friend, Mr. Timothy Rethlake, uh, Dr. Timothy Rethlake from Heat and Glow. And apparently there is a national shortage of power vents. Which hmm. a power vent okay. is when um, the the run from your fireplace to the outside is longer than a, than a certain length, and you need to actually actively vent the heat away. Gotcha. So I don't I don't know exactly what that is. If it's just a small little fan, or sounds like a bathroom fan that can have heat yeah, through it, something like that. And that's one of the few things that they outsource, so they don't even have complete control over it. But other than that, everything's rolling along. And actually, I'm kind of enjoying the slowdown a little bit because it's it's one last chance. I had um, Andy Gossman from MI Homes took his Matterport camera over and um, I paid him to go take a Matterport of, of the whole house with all the mechanicals done. So I know where all the pipes are, where all the right. wires are, where every stud is. Oh, brilliant. Um, and then we'll do one more when it's done. And that's really just for if there ever was a fire or catastrophic damage in the home. Now you can, a lot of places will let you send those Matterport captures of your property so that you get everything taken care of much faster and smoother because you have documented evidence of what the entire property looked like prior to the damage. And some of them are even apparently starting to use cameras once they go back in and do it again quickly when there is damage and then when it's over. So again, in terms of getting Hmm. contractors paid or money that you need, it's just 
again, a frictionless experience in comparison to having to have an adjuster come out and look and inspect everything. Um, cool. And you can make sure it's, it's put back to the way it was. That's a creative use of the cameras. Well, yeah. And there's builders that we work with who have purchased them and use that as a, as part of the process of every homeowner of like, Hey, when you build with us, you're going to get your home matter ported at these different phases. And you can keep that for all time so that you have those uh, records for yourself. I've never used a Matterport. Um, there's a cost per Matterport to host. Like, would it be ridiculous? There's a hosting they... fee. It's not very much. And it, okay. it's becoming quickly like nothing over time. And um, the cameras are less expensive. They still take longer than other uh, 3D cameras, but they're still kind of the premier quality. Are there Matterports result. done in a community? I don't think I've seen that before. And why not? I'm, I'm complaining right now. Like entrance, walking through. Oh, you're talking like Google like Street outside. View. Yeah, you can. Essentially Google I mean, Street you, View, but or like from the lot, like if the, if like this is the high-end lot, like we want to, there's a huge premium on it or something. Yeah, I, I remember asking Andy and other people about that. You can do it, but there's something about the exposure setting of the camera that at least a year or two ago, it wasn't really designed for outdoor use. Gotcha. And so I think if it's, if it's a super bright day, there's just an issue because it assumes that like it's designed to be, I'm taking pictures indoors. Oh, so the aperture is wide open. If you're a photog following along with us here, the aperture is wide open, lots of light coming in. So when you go outside, it either slows down the process or you have to do something to, to make outdoor do some filters uh, or images something. work the same way, but oh, it can be done. Rabbit hole. So I'm like, that'd be really cool. They had that. Yeah, it, it would be really cool. Uh, the other, I have so many things that I could talk about always. I'm, I'm just going to do another short one, which was I, I have fallen in love with Delta Sky Lounges. Now, again, this sounds New like office. I'm part of the 1%, but I, I just got a credit <laughs> card that gives me free access to Delta Sky Lounges. Delta has become my preferred airline if it's comparable price, I will choose Delta because they have never let me down ever since the mechanic strike and something else that happened with Southwest where I got stranded in Orlando or somewhere for an extra day and a half. I, I yeah, just, that sounds awful. Sorry. I mean, that's why I choose Southwest is the reliability and that's, that, that to me is not what it used to be. So I uh, got a credit card that gives me free access to these things for myself, unlimited use. They've got food. They got all kinds of cool stuff, but um. At the Detroit one, I had a I had a four-hour wait in Seattle for the flight. And then when I got to Detroit after the red eye, I landed, I think, at 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And my next flight didn't take off till 8, 8 a.m. So I went to the lounge there. And I just sat and watched the Starbucks machine that they had there. And it it looked like one of the machines in terms of size and scale that they would you would see a barista use at Starbucks. And there was a touchscreen on the front of it that looked very friendly and like, hey, to start your Starbucks drink experience, press here. So that like very intuitive, like just I'm touching it to start. And I would just count the number of people who would walk up to it and they want coffee uh, and and they're looking at it and they would touch the screen. And then at the next screen, it presents you with all these different options. What, you know, do you want a latte? Do you want an Americano? Do you want a, all these and more than you would expect? And about eight out of 10 people would play around with the screen and then walk away, not getting any drink whatsoever. <laughs> and then terrible. I don't know if it's just a, a technology thing, if they were overwhelmed because they're not like super snobby coffee people, they just want, you know, a black cup of Joe. Uh, but there was a self pour thing of Starbucks coffee right around the corner. And this machine and the whole setup of the space 
definitely drew everyone's attention to that over like, oh, there's a carafe of coffee around the corner. Like it, it drew your eye, but then the usability of it from the perception of a marketer somewhere thinking this is easy. Like you just push what you want and put the cup down and magically it spits out. It wasn't a match. And it, it reminded me of people who thought that, you know, VR goggle rooms were going to be the thing in home, home building and, and marketing, right. As we're going to set up these spaces, not understanding that, you know, most people are not going to want to strap this thing on, on their head in front of a stranger. It, it all comes back to feeling comfortable and competent with what you're interacting with. Anyway, it was just a little object lesson. Someone, I think it was, um, Beth from Stylecraft gave me a hard time. She's like, of course, like everything you look at is a lesson for marketers. <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah. laughs> Sorry, my parents were say. both educators. There was no such thing as summer break because they were teachers and I was with them all summer. The, mach- the machine has an 80% bounce rate. Like that's not. Exactly. That's <laughs> not going on yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is it, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and it was free. all types of people. Like there'd be like someone super put together the right glasses, dress, everything. You're like, this person's got it. Like they're going to, nope. <laughs> and then, and then you would see like, uh, someone who looked like my mom walking up to the machine and they would, they would tough it out. They're like, no, I want whatever this machine can give me, but it took them forever. That makes me want to know why, like, is it the coffee knowledge or the tech? Like, is it the buttons? Like if, right. like, it could it just be like coffee button, like. Yeah. The there needs to be a, like an intro of, are you looking for the simple or would, you know, yeah. what do, do you, you want? want coffee or whatever. And then, cause the machine also has the ability to do milk. So like you can just get steam milk, but then yeah, you're not sure. So this is, this is the one thing that took me a yeah. couple seconds is I just stared at it. It said like, do you want a macchiato coffee or steam milk? And then I was thinking, well, shoot, if I push macchiato, is it going to make the whole thing? Or do I have to like, after I push that button, then come back and push the steam milk. And then I like, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Cause I don't, make my own macchiato. you don't want to spill like hot coffee all over the place. And, and you also yourself. just don't want to take forever. Cause again, there's people sitting around you. And I think that goes into it too of like, Hey, how long is this jerk going to take making a cup of coffee? This isn't. Yeah. Like this know, guy's an idiot. Sense. Can't even do this machine. <laughs> like that's, no one can do it. It's easier to walk away. Okay. Yep. All right. Moving on to the actual news. Existing home sales in May drop for the fourth straight month as affordability squeezes buyers says CNBC. But should we be surprised? Um, no. <laughs> One, well, existing home sales fell 0.9% last month from April to a seasonally adjusted annualized rate of 5.8 million units. It's modestly above pre-pandemic levels. Uh, sales were 44.6% higher than a year earlier. But the comparison is skewed massively given that the housing market basically shut down for about two months at the start of the pandemic. So... What's the takeaway here from you guys' perspective? My takeaway, I, I, because I feel like this is where I live. There's no starter homes anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like those are getting scooped up and it says sales of homes priced at 100 to 250, 100K to 250K dropped 2% from a year ago. Well, sales homes priced 750 to 1 million jumped 178%. So it's just those, like that's, those aren't there. Like no, one, no one's buying, mm-hmm. so they can't move up. It's. Yeah, you go on Zillow around really anywhere, like starter home, someone who's just getting started. Yeah, well, and and this is why, I mean, I love so many things about the idea of build for rent and single family rentals. But Ivy Zellman, I listened to a talk that she gave this morning and she she nailed it right on the head. At the end of the day, 
it's the same trades. It's the same land positions. It's the same everything. At the end of the day, it's single family is where the demand is over multifamily in most parts of the country. And then you've got this, this uh, split that's happening where, or I guess extra market dynamic where all this institutional money wants to build these single family rental communities. And so it, it, in some cases, people argue with, have argued with me online that it's solving the housing affordability crisis by offering more homes to rent. But I think it also kind of covers up the bigger issue, which is they're also not building wealth over time if they're renting. And that's I've, one I've of the always... ways that, and so are we going to ever solve the root problem of making truly affordable homes that you can purchase again? Or are we just going to say, eh, let them eat cake, let them rent, you know, and it's fine. I've always felt, and this is, this was our circumstance. Like we were like, oh my goodness, I want to buy because I could buy the same home and lower my overhead per month by two, three, four, $500 from the same rental, like a three bedroom, two bath, 1500 feet where I live is 1600 a month for rent. You buy the same house, your mortgage is 1100 with a minimal down payment. So like you are like wanting to purchase your first home because one, you want to buy, but like, great, I'm paying too much renting for a single family home. I feel like that'd be the same scenario. Like it's not helping. Like those people still want to buy and they're just looking now. They just are waiting until they could get the next move up home, I guess. Like, yeah, the one thing that really helps is they're obviously not needing a down payment. So if you don't have to put down 20%, 15%, to to get a rental and you can have a single family dwelling, that's a, that's a win. That is a plus. Mm-hmm. But I just think to say that rentals solve everything for affordable housing is not the case. And, and I think at the end of the day, it, it, the longer period of time that that's in place, the, the bigger we have this separation of the haves and the have nots in the country. All right. Sure. And kind of leading into that, the other question that I threw out on LinkedIn about a week ago and shockingly, not shockingly, no one wants to talk about it, which was, Hey, I have this hunch that projects are getting approved as single family for sale projects. And then they're turning into single family for rent projects. And I'm not certain if, if this is like all being done on the up and up or not. And sure enough, something else that Ivy Zellman covered was this story of a project in Clayton County, Georgia, where it was proposed and approved by the board of commissions as a, as a single family uh, for sale project. And then uh, America home for rent, I think came in and decided to purchase the entire community and turn it into rentals. And they said, hold up. Uh, in fact, they have, the change comes after the board approved 180 day moratorium on the acceptance of new applications for the development and construction of single family residential subdivisions in February. So they said, Hey, we got screwed here and we're just not approving anything until we make sure this can't happen again. Oh, that's painful. So, mm-hmm. Like what's the big deal? I, I don't know if some people are thinking like, what, what is the big deal? The big deal is um, you're not, you're not being, you're kind of sliding under the radar. And it makes me wonder if part of the reason that these companies that have billions of dollars are partnering with home builders is kind of this don't ask, don't tell policy of like, Hey, you just get your project approved. And then once you have that project approved, you come find this if you finish financing going because it would not pass approval if it started as a for rent project in many locations. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying everyone's, you know, the villain here, anyone is the villain. I'm just saying I have a hunch that's partly why home builders are part of the necess- like because if you got all that money, you could figure out how to build homes. <laughs> you got 30 billion bucks 
you want to invest in single family rentals, just build them all yourself. Yeah. By the, by the builder. Yeah. That's interesting. This, um, yeah, this is really interesting. It makes me, well, I see two things that like my mind goes to like that 180 day moratorium. Like that's a big deal right now when there's no housing mm -hmm. like that punishes the consumer, the buyer, the people looking for affordable, affordable housing, any housing whatsoever. It'd be interesting if there is a circumstance, I'm sure there's some lobbying being pushed against this at some level to decrease the time that development takes to be approved. I don't know what the average time is. I have no idea. I'm, I'm kind of green to that, but if it takes more than X amount of time, the same with like we talked about, maybe this is getting too far off subject, COVID vaccine, they changed things to make sure that was approved as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Housing, if it is the supply is so low in a sense. Well, that's what the Biden years. administration is mm -hmm. ramping up is they want to remove a we whole lot of red tape to get a yeah. approval process done faster throughout the country. But I think in, in this case, it's just really interesting that this is not anything new. The mm -hmm. scale and scope of it is new, but there are national builders who for the last three, five, eight years, I'm not sure exactly how long have built inventory homes. And if they don't sell, by the end of the quarter or the end of the year or whenever the company wants to, they just sell them all to investors. So no big deal. But that's been, again, off the radar. No one's really paid attention to that. And it's just interesting that, that this is starting to really pick up steam as a, a source of concern. Because it's as in the article, you know, the community uh, development director. Yeah, he brings up the it's it's probably um, the practice he thinks destabilizes the neighborhoods was his biggest yeah. takeaway. And it could noting that the buyers are more likely to take an interest in doing what it takes to own a home if they actually own it versus renting. So part of this is just to like, I don't want that questionable stuff built near me. But again, in Ivy's talk today, which I, I loved, not just because it reinforced a lot of things that I already believed, but she just does such a good job explaining it. She's like, everyone right now in the institutional space is saying, we're, we're investing in real estate for the long haul. We're never going to sell. We're, we're in it forever. And it sounds very similar to people talking about Bitcoin, like, hey, mm. diamond hands, hold it forever, never going to sell, ride, ride, ride. Yep, that's funny. At, at the end of the day, someone's going to sell or someone's going to be asked to sell. Yeah. And to me, the bigger destabilization for a neighborhood is if institutional investor has to sell 50 homes in your neighborhood that are all rentals for, for who knows what reason, they just have to get rid of them. That's going to be really hard. In fact, that's happening in parts of Oregon, I know a guy um, who lives near Portland, wants to move, and there in his neighborhood for his product type, there's a three-year supply of inventory at the current sales pace. Wow. That's insane. So he's like, I I'm screwed. How do I get out of here? I can't. You know, I, I can't take that much of a bath on my home. And that's the bigger issue down the line. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that makes a better argument to have separate neighborhoods that are nothing but rentals. Maybe that you know, cl cl clears it up too. But I just thought it was interesting. It'd be interesting article. to watch all that develop on all of us. The same issue, like who, like it, it's not all the same issue, but like access to housing mm -hmm. and who can buy I mean, it, and as, not buy it. Yeah. And, and as that starts happening, yeah, that scenario, it, it's not just going to be like, you know, little pocket things. I think it'll start that and then it'll be a, a large wave in the future. And, and what you're saying, Kevin is right. is just maybe if it is a different product that's being offered from a home builder that could help differentiate when, you know, they do flip the switch and want to sell, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's why they're, I guess, doing the moratorium is like, let's actually think through this and let's see how we can help moving forward. 
I just think the whole zeitgeist of real estate is is why there should be some concern, not about what you as a builder right now need to do, but just the entire space and what you're listening to and, and who you're listening uh, from. Like Jim Cramer, who generally I think has decent investment advice yesterday on his show, Mad Money, he started off the segment by saying um, that in his belief that maybe housing is no longer cyclical, but secular. And what that means in investing speak, a secular trend is one that is, it's ongoing. Like the, the trend of digitalization is a secular trend. And if you're going to invest in that secular trend, you're investing in companies who participate in digitalization. He's like, we have so few houses. This is now a secular trend. We're never going to really catch up. It's good for the economy. It's good for everyone. And maybe it doesn't have to be cyclical anymore, to which I would just like, yeah, that's the scariest thing maybe I've heard anyone say yet is someone like Jim Cramer saying that housing isn't going to be cyclical this time. Because that's what everyone always says, right? When you get near the top. And I don't think we're going to in for a crash. I think most people think it's going to moderate over 2022. Houses, house prices will still likely go up 2 to 3%, even by 2023 was Zellman's prediction. So mm -hmm. it's not that, it's just how much demand will there be from people who have 2.6 to 3% interest rate mortgages or, or refis if rates go to four and a half or four and we have price, the, the overall demand will slow. It's, it's yeah. not still going to probably balance with supply, but builders will have to adjust. And if, and one of the, this should really be an Ivy Zellman podcast. Uh, but the, one of the most fascinating things she showed was a chart that showed a, a, a land positions, B land positions and C land positions. Obviously every builder wants to build an A and then B is the you know second tier suburb communities, and then C she she jokingly says is the place where even cows don't want to live. It's it's just far out. That's funny. And the availability of C neighborhoods is down thirty percent from where a balanced market is. Like the demand for even C locations, builders can't get enough of them right now. And the bigger force is that public companies have to have land in front of them. A private company can say, hey, I think land's getting too expensive. I'm going to go into hibernation mode. I'm going to scale back a little bit, be more, more careful about what I do and what I don't do. Public builders pedal to the metal. We've got, if, we're, if our current sales pace is 1,000 homes a month, I better have a five-year supply of 1,000 homes a month. And so I have to keep buying, keep, keep contracting, keep getting lot options into the future, land banking, whatever I'm doing. And that's just some of the things where it's not going to be a whole market-wide correction, but individual builders will definitely get caught. All right, moving on to happier times stories, searchengineland.com. Google pushes back plan to block third-party cookies until 2023. More time is needed across the ecosystem to get this right, said Vinay Guell, Privacy Engineering Director at Chrome. I think the subheading should be because it's kind of screwed up Facebook and, and Apple a little bit. Weren't they recently sued by European market? Like they had their hands slapped. They're saying like, no, mm -hmm. you actually can't do this. Now they're making it seem like, no, we chose to wait three <laughs> years. This isn't because we got in trouble and we don't know what we're doing. Um, so yeah, it sounds like they're giving people more time. They, what is it on privacysandbox.com? Get more details of the structure of how they're actually releasing it versus just flipping a switch and everyone's kind of screwed basically. So they're they're able to extend out the delay. Yeah. And I think the part that's really important is now they're saying the part of the new timeline is a public development process to being more transparent about how this is going to work and getting feedback from forums like GitHub or W3C. These are development 
forum portal type places to make sure that it's not an even denser black box that Google's creating, which I think I, that's the end of the day, what Europe was concerned about. What we should all, all should be concerned about is mm -hmm. how does this work? We don't know. You don't need to know. And <laughs> just let us do it. I love at the end. They're like, why we care about this. It's, it's because we care. It's like, no, but, uh, it's obviously they're just playing to the, um, yeah. uh, everyone feeling worried about what Google exactly was rolling out and not having a full understanding of what the next steps were. So yeah, it'll be interesting in the next couple of years. I'm sure miscellaneous things will come up and I'm sure this will be extended or tweaked significantly over the next two years too. So yeah. what's your take, I mean, Andrew? This, my take is that we we're still going through iOS 14, 14, mm -hmm. 5, whatever next number there is with Facebook. And that was like this big thing that's still quite vague uh, for a lot of people. And so I'm like, here's another one coming up. That's like, who knows, like my hands, I'm just shrugging right now. Like 2023, it'll probably be 2024 and then something will released and then it's delayed again and it launches and then we go, hmm, that's interesting. And then, yeah. So that's what Google, I, I don't, yeah, it's. Well, and again, just like what's going on with Facebook. Yep. There was, there, there's been a little bit of a degradation in performance, but it hasn't been world changing one. Yeah. Uh, and two, now with builders starting to implement Cappy, the conversion API properly, the majority of that information back and campaign results are, are back to where they were pre iOS 14 craziness anyway. So mm -hmm. just prom, I promise you that at the end of the day, every time there's more regulation, it only makes the stranglehold on information and advertising prowess stronger for Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, whoever is, you know, like Apple is still collecting data. Yeah. For Apple's purposes. The only difference is they don't sell it to anyone else. Never have, never will. But they're still collecting it all. It's private. It's in our Apple, you know, but they're they're really no better at the end of the day. They're just they're making their own value stronger. Yep. This sounds cliche what I'm about to say, but all the great marketing things you need to do still need to happen. Won't really be affected by this advertising mm -hmm. and attribution and that nerd stuff will be affected. But like everything else, like still has to live on, you know, that, that still goes. Yeah. All right. Next up from O'Neill interactive.com. Hey, we know them. Uh, hey, we know them. We love them. Uh, just saying they're the best web developer in the home building space. Um, image extensions are out of beta for Google ads. Um, this is one you're going to want to click, click the, the link in the show notes to see an example mm -hmm. of what this ad looks like, but essentially it adds an image, a little, little square of you know visual elements. So one of the things we've talked about for a long time is it's really hard to get full value for what you do as a builder when at the end of the day, everyone's just a, a blue line of text. So this seems like it would be an amazing opportunity to show an image of a great kitchen or exterior shot. Um, what's, your, what's your take, Andrew? My take is they're still showing up quite inconsistently. It's definitely, in my mind, at least it's an interesting, maybe a nice to have test, see if it works, see what yeah. impact it has for you. Because the numbers will be, O'Neill put some numbers down. Numbers are definitely builder to builder. There's a lot of other factors that will influence um, like your click-through rate increase or decrease in there, but it's still one picture. So yeah, I just, I like this as interesting, but I think that the potential for like, oh, what picture do we do? Well, mm -hmm. we got to test this from picture. There could be like this slippery slope of like, Sweet, we increased our click-through rate 2% and we spent six hours on this. 
And now we update. I have to update these pictures. I think they will be going away because they look super weird and clunky where they are as far as the experience. And I don't think it adds anything as far as value to the search. That's my prediction. I'm being. Yeah, there you go. I love it. Mark it down. It looks Um, right. I don't know. At least my opinion. Like, what's it doing there? I mean, it catches your eye more than the blue text. And I feel like like Google shopping where there's a price. Mm -hmm. No name. Yeah. And that's useful. This is just. Oh, I mean, it gives an impression of what your standards are as a builder. And I can see now home builders, I mean, prioritizing that graphic or what images go in rotation um, to make sure it's current. But I think even in their, um, what did they have, O'Neill? They said when they experimented with it, that the image extension ads had an increased click-through rate of over 150%. So I, I think it's worth experimenting with for any builder who wants to check it out. But I know that they also put a note in here that just because it's out of beta doesn't mean it's necessarily in your area still. So just be aware mm-hmm. of your, if you're going searching for it, it might yeah. not be there because they're, they're slowly rolling it out still. If, if I had to make a prediction, it's that they go deeper down this pool. So essentially, I guess I'm agreeing with you, Adrian. I think it's short lived as it is, but I think they actually make it more like a carousel mm-hmm. ad yep. or uh, a Facebook shop sh- shopping experience more, it, sooner I than think, later. Yep. Like I could see that I think where it should go, maybe the, this would be interesting if it does go there. There's different extensions that are like product type. Mm-hmm. And if you could label those where it's like condos, townhomes, not product type made specifically for builders, but just different extensions yeah. that are generic of use, not builder specific, but where it's of use where you could like essentially a site link extension with an image would be interesting. But this right now is just, there's a link on it, but it's, it, there's no context of why am I clicking this picture? Like I found one and it's, it's nice looking home, but there's, it's just kind of next to the ad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say like, yeah, it, there's no context. Maybe that's what I don't like about it. It's like just the picture to the side. Yeah, we'll we'll test it on our end too and see how it does. And now the thing that I've saved to last because I could go off for a whole two hours on this one. It's a drum roll, something. You can now choose and design a newly built home and put it in your shopping cart as big builders launch virtual home buying. Taylor Morrison and Pulte Group recently piloted programs in which buyers can choose, design, and finance a new home virtually and just put it in their shopping cart. Builders are seeing higher than expected demand for virtual buying. And a few years ago, people laughed at buying a car online, and I just bought a house online, said first-time home buyer Emily Moore. Okay, hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold up on my thoughts. I'll let you guys jump up. Well, do you have anything else you want to throw in here before I just go... Jack, you want to go just, first? Then I'll just go to then give Kevin some feedback. Just to give some feedback, when I watched the video, this woman is from Houston. It's a very specific housing market. We know that this offering is not in every location and community. I know that we, you'll go in more in depth, Kevin, but we have tried purchasing a home online, as well as when they give data, it's very, I don't want to say very vague, but it's just what. I always go back to what are you actually saying when you give data points because you're not being clear. And I think they also do that in this article. So um, I'll, I'll let you take it away, Kevin, your your favorite, favorite subject. My yeah, first reaction is like, I call shenanigans. This is a big giant mm-hmm. lie. My second being positive <laughs> is like, oh, well, maybe this is like online just means like it's accessible from the internet. Like it's not necessarily a public shopping cart where you just go to the builder site and you're like, oh. I want that home site. I want these structural options. I want all these design options. I know exactly what I'm doing. I picked the lights and the ceilings and I did this. I did that, that, that. And I hit the checkout button and I got DocuSign and my mortgage was 
approved and all the stuff. And that happened in three hours or mm-hmm. 12 hours. I sat there all day. I- but I think it's just like it has to be a trimmed down step that's only an internal tool that you could access from your home, maybe guided with the salesperson. And then the articles just spinning it to sound more exciting than it is. That's my positive side. But I kind of lean more towards the first part. Like this seems like some PR piece. Okay. Yeah. I, I have all those same thoughts. And again, I want someone to figure this out. All my, my main gripe here is over promising and over hyping for what purpose. I don't truly understand. Is it because these are public companies and they want their stock price to be improved or perceive value? I, I don't, maybe they just want to be, you know, get, get 10 minutes of fame by being covered as one of the first, I, I don't understand the reason for over promising and over hyping what you can actually deliver on. That's the part that, that kind of drives me nuts. And the media, of course, the media is just looking for a story to tell. So I fault them a little bit. But one of the quotes here is, we've, o- we've only done the to-be-built reservation system for the last six weeks. Which, and in total, we've seen over 1,500 shopping cart entries. So adding homes to cart. This is a builder doing business in, I don't know, 10 states. Someone do a quick check on, I think this is a quote attributed to Taylor Morrison. Um, so a builder of that size over six weeks, 1,500 homes added to cart and probably something close to a 60% conversion. It's and 900 then sales. That's where the sentence actually stops. And, and then in brackets as editing editors, publishers, I don't know, whoever it is, <laughs> puts this in, they're saying two sales, but she doesn't actually say two sales. She just says something close to a 60% conversion. That's 10 times what you would normally see. So... Here's the, here's the real re- way this headline should read. I was telling this to the DYC team at a, at a meeting we had earlier today. The headline instead should say, shockingly in that best housing market of all time with limited inventory, short supply, builders allowing customers to reserve homes online for $0 is widely popular. <laughs> so there's $0 still and the Taylor Morrison impact of this. It's a $0 reservation. So... This, this kind of goes back Sounds to the beginning. We're talking about a frictionless $0. experience. That's awesome. That's frictionless. That's no friction. Pick a house, pick a floor plan, frictionless, $0. But it kind of is surprising to me, one, that there's only 1,500 shopping cart entries. If this, So how much availability is this? Like you were saying, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Most how- of the communities are sold out. They don't have any availability. Or there's like one that you can do this to. Yeah, they're definitely leaving out data points. Like you said, how many homes were actually calculated that, you know, is it like six homes? And because if it's six available homes, 1500 shopping, you know, obviously there's 60% conversion rate, but just there, there's absolutely, it's a PR piece that is missing very important data points. And they're just trying to spin it positively. And I think you're, you hit the nail on the head, Kevin, in terms of, they're just trying to say, did it first. We might, and we can say we didn't do it perfectly, but we started the trend and they'll always, they have that under their belt. Yeah. I looked at a couple different places for Pulte's opportunity mm-hmm. to do this. I couldn't find any. Now there, there is the ability to use their interactive floor plan tool, their furniture planning tool, all that stuff. But I didn't see a cohesive end-to-end experience, which to your point, Andrew, made it seem like um, I could virtually do all this with the help of a salesperson online salesperson, real salesperson in a virtual or hybrid way, but it wasn't a cohesive. Taylor Morrison's approach at, at face value looks more cohesive, but then you get the email saying nothing really has happened yet uh, from the system other than we got your reservation. Now do these other things to, 
to prove you really want it to buy. And, and shockingly, um, I have gotten an equal number of generic emails from the system. So one of the, I reserved a home today from Taylor Morrison Another in one. Denver. Oh, okay. This won't come out for a week anyway. So we'll, as I'm just curious, when is the first real human to human sales interaction going to occur? So I reserved a home site in Denver and I've already within seven hours, I've gotten an email from marketing and it's about quick move in showcase homes in Denver. Wait a minute. Hmm. I just reserved one. Like why it's are like you were added to a generic list? I was added area. to a list to send out, oh, this person's interested in homes. And I actually should check if one of these three is the one I reserved. You would think, I would, oh. I would think. You reserved a home and then, yeah, your email can make you also reserve the next three yeah, homes so this that is they the email that I've gotten, which is, hey, congratulations, your home, online home reservation was successfully submitted, which means you're one step closer to join the Taylor Morrison family. And then it says, family. I need to schedule an appointment with my community sales manager virtually or in person to sign your purchase agreement. Go through financing, select any additional options uh, if I didn't already do so in reserving the home site and then sign the purchase agreement. So there's still four steps. And and I think that's the stretch to say that is a design and purchase a newly built home with as easy as a shopping cart. That's that's conflating the two. So I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not bashing anyone for trying this, but I think this goes back to the conversation I had with someone um, here in Columbus who's not Will Duterstat, but another marketer who I don't have permission to, to talk, say their name. But this falls in the line of, like boomers think that's cool. Oh, you can kind of sort of do this. Isn't that nifty? And I think it day because Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Z, especially, they're like, you promised something. You promised it to use Zillow's word magic at the push of a button. This ain't it. It's something else. I just think it would be better customer experience to not hype this to high heaven and instead just have it be like, hey, we've got a, we've got another way to do this. Are you interested? I just don't understand the PR aspect of it. But if anyone from Taylor Morrison or Pulte wants to come on and kind of guide us through the, the process or talk about it, would love to, oh, to yeah. kind of dig in and, and hear more about how it's going for real. And that maybe that's, again, just the fault of the media always trying to look for like, no, no, cool. Thanks, Palmer. We got the soundbite we wanted. Moving on. Maybe she, maybe they interviewed her for an hour and they pulled out three sentences that made it sound like this is the thing that, because that's what yeah. I mean, the media hypes everything. Remember, Nine years ago, they were writing articles about how AI chatbots was going to prevent the need for salespeople to exist. That was the media. <laughs> That's the media for you. All right. Um, that wasn't as bad as I thought. I think at the end of the day, yeah. keep working. Just control the hype until you can fully control deliver. Hype. That's that's my only request from everyone. Yep. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. And by the time you hear this, remember, you probably only have like six days to get your award entry in get for the Market Proof Awards. So be sure to get that done, too. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya. Hey, everyone.